How was last night? Good? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Can't complain about that either. So that yeah. was good. Uh, we had, um, uh, I brought her, uh, bought her a uh, big cheesecake that said happy anniversary on it. Nice. Yeah, it was good. I actually had a slice of it. Wow. Spoil um, yourself. Spoil. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Uh, so, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach. <laughs> Andrew, congratulations on finishing the Brimbank Park 50km Ultra. Thank you, Just man. Just five weeks after doing your first Spartan 50k, you backed it up. You are now truly an ultra runner who does dumb stuff with not enough time in between the two events. Exactly. And that's <laughs> uh, that's what we were just talking about, too, that I spoiled myself with a bit of a an anniversary cheesecake for Aaron, my partner. <laughs> and, you uh, deserve it. Yeah, I felt I felt really good. I can, I can tell you now that I am recovering and uh, I felt much better than the Spartan 55-kilometer uh, carnage garbage crappy thing that was in bright um but it was interesting i was actually listening to our very first joint episode together uh before you came on officially as um as a host of the show where you ran this um for the first time about three years ago it would be three years time. ago my first one yeah yeah, yeah my medal from the events hanging up here somewhere but yeah it would have been about three years ago yeah. i did bring bank for the first time which was my first ever 50 Right. As well. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy because I remember you had said, well, I don't remember. I was listening to it. I remember from this afternoon. Uh, it was the sixth time that I think that they had run it. And now, obviously, the other day was their ninth. So next year it's going to be the tenth. Uh, and he said they have something, some big stuff planned. So that's exciting. Yeah. So how was it? You, um, oh, spoilers for the listeners, this was meant to be my second of three major ultras in three weeks' time. Unfortunately, I did not get a chance to go do the Brimback Ultra with you. I had life get in the way, to be put along and the short mm. of it, family stuff at home, just couldn't get away, unfortunately. So, Andrew, despite showing me a picture of your knee 72 hours before the event taped up like you were a mummy or something, <laughs> which was at the advice of, you know, that was the advice of your myotherapist of, well, if you're going to get through this event, we're going to basically put you in a splint or a cast to do yeah, it. It was, it was a good time. But you did it. You got out there on the, on the Sunday morning, started at 7.30 just after sunrise yep. and yeah, 50 kilometers. Yeah. And it was an interesting event. Like, Leading up to it, it was just, it was really kind of very different and I didn't, it was kind of like a lesson in how not to prepare for any kind of race because like, A, you know, I had just done one uh, five weeks earlier and the week leading up, you know, the weeks leading up, I didn't have any big runs necessarily because- Do you feel like you got a chance to get your legs back under you after the Spartan? really because nothing kind of, not really. Like the longest run I had was about 15 kilometers uh, after Spartan. And it was just, it kind of came up so quickly because after Spartan, I took 10 days off. So really, I, I only gave myself like three and a half weeks to prepare. And normally before a major event, three and a half weeks out, you're doing your major run. Yeah. And so you basically gave yourself recovery time straight into another taper. Yeah, pretty much. So I, I did a kind of reverse taper. So like um, when I started running, it was very like easy runs. I did a 16 kilometer run that first weekend. The following weekend, I think I did a, it was like a running weekend, which was meant to be 8, 20 and 7 mm-hmm. uh, kilometers. So 8 Friday, 20 Saturday, Sunday seven uh on the saturday i didn't quite get to 20 because my knee kind of played up on me uh so Mm. i got to about 15 and then the saturday i just did uh sorry the sunday i did five um that is a good technique though for people who are trying to find the opportunity to to do major mileage just Mm. break it up do break it up don't do don't try and do 60 kilometers in one day do three days of 20 yeah and it's it's less chance of injury that way too yeah and you're Um, still running on tired legs by the third day exactly getting up and going on the third day of an arrow is always tough. Exactly. And it's just, mm. it's a great thing. Like I would say if you need to, if you're wanting to schedule in a run that's longer than say 25, 30 kilometers, do it in two days. Um, yeah. No reason to, to push it that hard if you don't think that you're, it would be smart. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a bit out. And then the week of the race, uh, Monday I was off, Tuesday I did a speed workout, uh, Wednesday and Thursday it's like six and seven kilometers Saturday. I was meant to do like a five kilometer shakeout run, but I didn't. I was just like, you know what? I just don't feel like running. 
Yeah, um, which is I, what you want before you do a 50k event. Yeah, like yeah. The, the shakeout run the day before a race is great. Like you can put some mm. strides in there at race pace. It's great mentally, but that's it. Like that yeah. shakeout run's not going to do anything for your fitness. So if you don't do it, whatever. If you do do it, it's good mentally and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, it gets the body moving, of course. Um, and then, yeah, like leading up to – so the night before was the first night that I didn't actually lay out my race gear. <laughs> Go back to the Thursday. So you went. You were a little bit worried about your knee in the week leading up because the week leading up to it, we were like, we, we were still going to do it together. Yeah. Because um, I only told you on the Friday that I might not be able to make it, and on the Saturday was when I finally pulled out. Right. And then on the Thursday, we were still talking as if we were going to do it together. Mm. And you were like, "Well, I'm going to go talk to my myotherapist, and he's going to have a look at my knee, and he's just going to give me the all clear for this." And you shot me the photo of your knee. Your knee was strapped up and like your leg was strapped up in like four different places. Yeah. What yeah, was he, behind that? So basically what he did, he taped my, it was actually most of it was working on my my big toe, right? So he taped it in you such a way. You had tape around your thigh, mate. I don't know I, how this guy thinks your big toe is connected. But I don't, that's, uh, that's the thing. Like he's like, okay, so this hair follicle is out of place. Your knee's going to give you trouble. He like <laughs> connects everything, right? So like. He taped my foot in such a way that my toe was uh, started just just the toe started pointing toward my other foot, so it's just like your uh, toe is drinking a cup of tea and kinda. it's just pinky. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, and right. he's like, you know, that that will help the rotation of your foot while you're running. And then he just taped it all the way up to keep it enforced. Uh, so he basically taped that, taped my foot, wrapped it around my leg all the way up my thigh, um, just for I think that toe. <laughs> it's unbelievable how did um, it feel did it stay tight for the three it or four stayed, days it, it really kind of yeah it like from thursday to sunday even after the race on sunday i had to like pull it off and yeah. it sucks because like i'll tape my leg myself with tape and it comes off like 10 seconds later he tapes yeah. it up and it, it stays there for like years um <laughs> so he's like how much hair did it take off i, I should I trimmed off all of my leg hair because oh. he was like, and that was the other thing. He's like, you're going to have to, we're going to have to get rid of that hair for it to stay. And I was like, well, I'm not going to just have one freaking <laughs> shaved leg. Yeah. Um, so I just like. you'd be running in circles. Yeah. That'd be silly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You throw off the symmetry. <laughs> you just like, people are like, there's half a Yeti coming toward me. What is this? He's lapping really fast, but he's lapping really tight. Like he's just, he's circled the park bench 28 just, times. It's a good thing. He did 50K around that park bench. That's <laughs> wild. Um, so, so yeah, so it didn't bother the hair. Did you ever had doubts? What's that? Did you ever have doubts leading up to the race? Oh, I had plenty. I had plenty oh, yeah. of doubts. Um, like I, I just wasn't, and this will come into play later, but yeah, I wasn't sure how I would go um, to mm. the point where I also taped up my foot. I, I wrote Jason a message. I said, look, when we first met, you taped up my foot so that it would prevent me from pronating so much. And I remember I did a 35-kilometer training run with that setup, and it went well. Uh, and that was before Canberra. Mm. Uh, and he was like, yeah, you can do that too. Um, and he was—he made himself so available. It was awesome. That's good. He was like, you know, if you need me, just call me. I will come to Brimbank and find you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but so I taped up my that's foot. It's not creepy at all. No, it wasn't. That's what I said to him. I was like, that yeah. was aggressive. <laughs> uh, um, so I taped up my foot. Everything's taped. Um, and yeah, I was having a lot of doubts. But also at the same time, I was like, do you know what? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm not doing this for time. This is just kind mm. of like, I really treated this as just a, well, let's do this. It's just a, almost like, let's take a park run off the thing. Like, yeah. let's, let's do this event. You know, Zach's done this event like three times. Um, Zach practically dared me to do it. So yeah. Zach told me that we were going <laughs> to do it together and then backed out. And then he backed off. It's like <laughs> payback for falling asleep at his backyard ultra. That's fine. Yeah. We, only one of us can be at Brimbank at any one time. It's like Highlander. There can only <laughs> be one. In the end, there can be only one. Um, <laughs> So yeah, like I was pissed off I missed it. Like I, oh, I had dude. a lot going on at home, but I was so upset I missed it. Like I was. Do you know what? Really like, wanted to do it. Family first, man. And do you know mm. what? It was like for everybody listening. Zach was actually because I didn't realize you could track mm. the race. I didn't realize that Brimbank had that uh, trails plus had that. And so 
I'm getting these messages from Zach, like, you're doing fine, you're doing fine. I'm like, how the hell do you know? <laughs> I, I spent Sunday just hitting refresh on my phone yeah. going, where is he? He's 15 minutes behind. What's it's going like, on? You, yeah. you might as well have just been there because you were pretty much mm. there the whole time, um, yeah. which was great. It was actually really good. It was nice to have my phone on me and talk to you. I was talking to mm. Aaron, talking a little bit to the WinFit group, um, you know, keeping going. Um, There's a lot of time to kill on a 50K. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Depending on how you're doing it, yeah. There's pretty much there's a lot, a lot of time to kill. So I Have wake you up. Have you run at Brimbank much? I've I've only run at Brimbank once. Um, yeah. Well, twice really. So the first time was my very first marathon training run three yeah. years ago, four years ago, however long that was. It was just an eight k hilly run. It took me like an hour because Brimbank sucks. Yeah. Um, and then the second time I ran there was the park run at your back backyard ultra. Yeah, so, so you, you've never really done yeah. Brimbank before, so never. yeah. All I've right, not, take I've me not. through race day. Okay, uh, I wake up race day about 5, 5 o'clock. Mm. Um, I didn't have anything set out. It was the first time I didn't set out <laughs> any of my stuff because I was just like, whatever, dude. Again, how not to prepare for a race. Um, I didn't decide <laughs> what I was wearing until five minutes before I left, and in this case, it happened to be my singlet from the Rosebud Fun Run a couple years ago. And a friggin' pair of Kmart shorts. Um, <laughs> I, I just, whatever. I didn't, I didn't have anything. The only thing, okay, the only thing that was set up was my, um, was my my pack, my hydration pack. I didn't bring my bladder. Uh, oh. I just, I just stuck with the bottles of water. Well, that's cool. You like the bottles of water because they make you look cooler. So that's right, yeah. they do. They make mm. me look like a real runner. Yeah. Um, in terms of nutrition, of course, I had Generation Ucan in there. I had BSC in there. BSC is a great low-carb protein bar that um, it's just like I said, one of those protein bars that doesn't upset my stomach. Yeah. And, and it's just really a good one. That's what I had for breakfast about 30 minutes before race time. Um, yeah. So I didn't have any carbs. I didn't carb load either. I don't ever carb load because I've never found that it helps me. It mm. weighs me down. And the thing is, if you're kind of tapering for a race – you're probably not if you're if you're keeping your nutrition the same you're probably storing up extra glycogen anyway so yeah, if you if you've been like doing lots of long distance running and yeah. eating at that level and then for the last two or three days before it you take that off you can just eat at the normal level yeah, you don't you, need to eat extra you don't on need top to carb load you know no i mean mm. sure it gives you some extra energy but you're probably gonna weigh you, you, down. Can, you can overdo it i think uh, for my event tomorrow i think i've overdone it i'm feeling a little heavy right now because the last two days have been like solid pasta and stuff because you know people are like oh you need to carb load i'm like i don't need to carb load that much yeah but you if know? you're out there for 24 hours you'll burn some of it off i will yeah <laughs> i hope so yeah um but yeah, I, uh, my 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 hydration was water and my amino mix, which is not carb, no zero carb, zero sugar, because I don't I don't yeah. do a lot of carbs out there, and that was fine. Um, that was the only thing that was set up. I decided very last minute that I was going to like, all right, I'm going to wear my gel Kyanos. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. only run like 15 kilometers. You were going back and forth with me on this a lot about what shoes yeah. you were going to wear. There was I a lot know. of shoe debate. Yeah. I just didn't know because nothing is feeling comfortable lately. Like really mm. nothing is feeling comfortable lately. And Brimbank, even though it's like an ultra run and it's a, it's called an urban trail. It's on gravel mm. path. It's yeah. There's nothing there's there nothing, that needs the hocus. There's one part that is maybe kind of technical, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's like two out of 10. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about 200 meters out of... 50 kilometers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like real tiny. It's just that real tiny bit uh, uh, when you're looping back. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I wore those. I'd only done 15K in them, but I was like, eh, they feel good, yeah. whatever. They're not a stability shoe. They're not a neutral shoe. They're just kind of like right in between. Yeah. I brought my vapor flies. Um, just to show them to people? Just to show them to people. Yeah. Um, and to keep them at canning reserves. So, just in case. Um, did you? Did I what? Did you send your vapor flies to Canning Reserve? Yeah, man. Oh, really? So you put them in the, in the I drop did. Bag. I did put a drop bag in wow. to go to Canning okay. Reserve, which didn't have much. It, all the, all that had in it was uh, an extra bottle of Powerade Zero. Yep. Uh, my vapor flies, some Rappy Gel, which is actually um, uh, an inflammation gel, uh, anti-inflammation gel for horses, but it doesn't really work well for horses. So most people that use it use it on themselves. <laughs> hey. Um, all right. That's, I feel that's like we're thing. in. 
feel like we're in a different type of uh, gear packing at this point yeah. when you talk about we're getting thinking, the horse. Thinking outside the box. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, so you got your, your horse neurofen gel. That's right. You've I got, got my horse your, uh, your vapor flies. I've never done that with bread before. I've just sort of gone out with what I had on my back and yeah, used canning I mean, reserve for, yeah. And, and we'll get to it a little bit later, but I didn't really need to change my shoes. I just, I did. Mm. Spoiler alert. Okay. But I did just because I was like, let's see what happens. I've lugged um, them all the way out here. Yeah. I feel like, bad not to use them. Mm. Uh, matter of fact, um, I didn't get that stuff back because the van bringing it back from Canning Reserve was so late and I had to leave. So Nicola has my stuff. She's going to give it to you the next time you're at track. Okay. All right. <laughs> Excellent. I better go to track then. <laughs> just, this is good. Just so you know. We'll um, use the podcast to synergize all this sort of stuff and sync up. <laughs> that's right. This is, this is how we communicate. <laughs> yeah. um, I did try out salt tablets this time. Oh, interesting. Um, so I took one about... 30 minutes before race time and then one at canning reserve that was yep. it uh i yep. didn't cramp up i don't know if that was them but i don't normally cramp anyway it also wasn't a crazy hot day in the no, morning it, it, it got, got a little bit like, hotter towards the end but yeah and i felt it i did feel the heat mm. that day all right um, we're jumping all over the place so um yep. the event starts at 7 30 i think it was yep. yeah, yeah. So i got no here about required none of that no nothing because it, mm. it was uh sun was out got there at about 6 15 checked in um the marathon and the ultras, they kind of went out together. So there was 17 ultra runners, mm-hmm. uh, plus a, um, uh, not a tail, it, it's a tail Sweep. walker, but a sweeper. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then there were, I think there was 27 marathon runners. So four, yeah. about 44, 45 of us took off at the same time. And there was a couple of events on throughout the day. There was your event, yep. then there was 21s, then there was 10s, tens, then there was 5s. Fives, fives, and there was twos. probably about... I'd say 600, 700 people over yeah, the course of the day, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And the obviously, the shorter the distance, the more people. Yes. I think the 10K might have had the most amount of people in I it. I think it was, yeah, yeah. A couple of hundred in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was great. Nicola was running the Ultra as well. Um, and, you know, as as you do, it's just a just a nice, n- nice camaraderie. The course itself, um, now you can correct me if i'm wrong but it was like three loops there was a small loop a medium loop and a big loop correct yeah, yeah. um and you basically you 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 would run get to a section there would be a sign and it said if you're on this number of loop go this way if you're on this number of loop go that way yeah. i will i do have some nitpicks for this race um Ooh, one it. of them and they're tiny right brett put on a great event fantastic he always does started yeah. on time perfect stuff I would. Only... How was his briefing? Brett's notorious for doing a five-minute briefing three minutes before the start. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, cool. he, he was like we were counting down, and like a minute before we were about to go, he like couldn't find what he was meant to say next. And I'm like, oh, what, what's happening? Uh, but he got there in time. We got there with about. He's never been late. No, he's been close, but he's never been late. No, we were there in time for the countdown. Um, so my first nitpick of the race, I would say where those signs are and it says first second third this way that way that way whatever i would just add the distance that you're theoretically at just because Mm -hmm. when you're running an ultra and it's like your mind's kind of like shit have i been is this the second or the third time i've been here i can't remember so if Mm -hmm. it's like first loop you should be here at seven kilometers second loop you should be here at 12 kilometers so if i'm looking at my carbon and it says oh 12.2 that's probably i should go that way um small thing probably I'm sure it hasn't given him any problems at all, but I did find myself on the third loop. Like, is this the second or the third time yeah. I've been here? Because the implication of going the wrong way is you could add an extra 20 kilometers onto your yeah. run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, the, the event was great. The volunteers were awesome. I had they no problem are, with the yeah. volunteers. I, I mean, I made it a point to, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about this later, to talk to every volunteer at every aid station, take a little bit Ooh. of time. Um, just because... Yeah, I wasn't worried for time, so I was like, I'll just mm-hmm. stop, talk a little bit. Um, the, it's like you said before, it's not really a trail run. I mean, no. it's just it's it's packed gravel, it's bitumen, it's concrete. Of course, there's hills. Uh, it is quite hilly. Um, it's deceptively hilly. It's deceptively hilly. Yeah, it's like yeah. the hills that you get to, especially toward around. I don't know. There's that one bike path. Yes, um, the zigzag canning resort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucked. The worst. Um, that really sucked um and that the only technical terrain is this one part the end of that where yep. it loops you around and then you head back to canning yep. um 
but it's a great look it's a great course if you're new to trails and you want to try out a hilly sort of terrain without and you're not quite sure of yourself on technical terrain it's a great start you're never more than a hundred meters away from help on that Brimbank course. No. Because there's houses all the way beside you and parkland and yeah. all that. And you compare that to something like the Warburton one I did two weeks ago. Mm. Again, great volunteers, great signs. You never felt like you were in danger. But there's parts of that course where you're like, yeah, there's me and other runners on this course and that's it. That's like, exactly. you know, it's several kilometers for me to get to any help. Whereas with this Brimbank one, it's so safe. No, you're running like behind houses the whole time. You're around some kind of civilization the whole time. At one point, mm. you cross a road. Uh, yeah. Well, the road in the park. Uh, mm. Yeah, like in Bright, if you pass out, you're going to be a special on TV in about 15 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's know, a little it, tougher than Bright, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, Bright makes Brimbank look pretty easy. But Brimbank is a deceptively tough course. I think yeah. it's the hills are steep when the hills come. And also, because there's so it's so spread out, it's very lonely. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. It was very, mm. it was very much that way. Um, so yeah, we, 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 we start, I made up my mind early that I was just going to, I was going to, and we had talked about this. I was going to walk every incline and walk yeah. every decline. And I did that I, for the most part. I did that to the point where I think like a kilometer in there was a, a bit of a, an incline and Nicola yeah. passed me and she was like, oh, you're very disciplined. I was like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta be that way. I've got to stick to my guns. And this was probably the first time in a race that I actually took off and stuck to that right away. Like I yeah. was just like, you know what? We're just going to do 6:30 to 6:45 pace. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to focus on my form and just see what happens. It is the hardest thing to do. I said that at Warburton. I was like, no, I'm doing 6:15, 6:30s. Mm. And then I looked down at one point and I'm doing a 5:35 up a hill. And I'm like, no, I've just lied to myself for the last two weeks about how I'm going to do this run. Yeah. So it's so hard to stay disciplined. So well done to you for actually it, doing it. And it, it really does pay off dividends because, like, toward the end of the race, I was, uh, I was catching up to people, you mm. know, and I, I never at any point in this race felt. Like, of course, I was tired physically, of course, but never, mm. never did I feel like I was too much out of my comfort zone. Like more often than not, I was pulling myself back rather than yeah. trying to push myself forward. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I never got to a point where I was so tired that I was like, oh, when's this going to end? Yeah. Um, okay. I, I just kept pretty. And I think, do you know what? I think a part of that, a big part of that has to do with what I went through in Bright. That this was so much, not necessarily, oh yeah, it was easier than Bright. Yep. And I think like that really broke me and this was just like kind of fun. I think there's my observation of that would be there's two things there. One, the course is easier than Bright, no doubt. Yeah. The course is easier than Bright. It doesn't have obstacles. It doesn't have the incline. But the other thing is you're also stronger from Bright at a mental level because you've gone through that and you know what to mm. handle it. And, you know, that whole thing about, well, ultra running is problem solving well it's a lot easier to solve a problem that you've seen recently than a problem mm. you haven't seen for a while and i think that's why so many ultra runners get addicted to doing an event every six to seven weeks yeah because if you do two events a year each of those events becomes such a big deal and there's so much riding on it where if mm. you start doing events more frequently it's like okay well i've just got to try and move on from this and you yeah. can kind of calm down a little bit more yeah, yeah exactly it was a very calming enjoyable and there were points which we'll talk about that I was problem solving. Yep. Um, many problems, for example, like they do the great way that they mark the course is they use flour because it is, of course, a, a very uh, – they, they really are worried about their environmental <laughs> footprint, right? Yeah. There were a couple times where the flour was kind of like faded or knocked and it was like, shit, which way <laughs> am I supposed to go? Because the forks were so subtle and I was like – yes. It could be either way here. Well, let's mm. take a guess. <laughs> um, luckily, I didn't have any. Problems. And again, there's only 17 people doing the race with you, so it's not yeah. like you can look up you, and see someone. You, yeah, you can't. You just can't. And even if you did, not necessarily are they going the same way that you are. Yes. Um, because there are often times where you're going different directions than the 42ks, definitely the 10ks and the 21ks. It's funny, I, I, unless you're doing like Melbourne Marathon, all the races I've ever done, there's always a thing where I'm either at the back 
and everyone's in front of me. So it's like, well, I don't know where they've gone now. Mm -hmm. Or I'm running more at the front. And I'm like, well, the only people in front of me are the super fast people and I can't see them, but I'm ahead of you know the pack, so to speak. And so again, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And it's like, so, I don't want to slow down and wait for anybody. I just want to no. go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that, you know, I, I was keeping a run at about a 620 to uh, 630 to 645. You were going pace. faster than that. Your first uh, 20Ks the, was faster the than first that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, was had watching. A, I had a couple of kilometers that were maybe 615, 620. Uh, but the, I wasn't. The math says that that is a lie. I wasn't going much faster than that. The math says that that is a lie because <laughs> you did your first 20Ks in sub two hours. Did I? You did, according to the official record, you were really? 150 something for the first two hours, which means oh. you couldn't have been doing six minute something pace because that's not possible. Look at me. Either it wasn't 20 kilometers or you were doing faster than six minute kilometers. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. So, okay, that's a good point. So, <laughs> Let me explain, he says. <laughs> but there, see, there was a point where you thought I was at 40, but yes. I was only at 37. Oh, okay. All right. So that, so, that might be something there. Then maybe think, there is something there. Yeah, because I don't think I was going faster than that. Like we I got measurements at um, 20, 30, and 40 for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So Canning Reserve, which was meant to be at 30, was at 28. And then on the way back, it was meant to be it was at 40, 40. Yeah. but it was at 37. Okay, uh, all right. So that's okay. So maybe you were doing the right pace. Yeah, so I think the, that that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so my earphones broke about 20 kilometers in. Ooh. Which is fine because I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to the Running Public podcast, so I didn't need it. Um, and I, I kind of planned to take them off at about 25 anyway. How'd they break? Well, I took them off because every time I passed um, an aid station or, you know, you, you come through the starting point twice um, yeah. before you go off onto the big loop. Uh, so I'd put them on. I, I, the, the way that my uh, earphones are is that they're just connected with a wire. Yep. Um, and so I'd put them around my neck. And it's, it, so I didn't have them bouncing. I'd put the buds underneath my back strap, uh, my vest straps. Yep. And when I went to go take them and put them back in my ear, I found that both of the oh the things, wings yeah they were gone. I was like, the ear wings. I so then you had like hard metal sticking yeah, in your head. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm like, fun. I'm not doing yeah. that. <laughs> so, no. Um, so, so they're that, lying on the ground somewhere in Brimbank. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so much for that environmental footprint. <laughs> um, so that was problem one. Uh, not really a big problem. Problem two came around the time, I think about 22 kilometers in, and this is probably where you saw me start to slow down. That's when my knee started hurting a bit, which was, you know, the thing about You expected that, it to hurt at some point, didn't I you? I expected it. And the thing is, I expected it to happen sooner. So I'm like, I'm happy okay. with that. Um, and the thing about it is, this was the first time that I was able to problem solve enough and to use the cues enough that I was able to really kind of comfortably keep going. Um, whereas, uh, you know, even six months ago, I'm like, damn it, I'm 22 kilometers in and my knee's hurting. I better stop. I got to stop. Whereas now I use cues, for example, like, you know, really emphasizing bringing my knees through or kicking my heels up or tucking my pelvis under or uh, the the one that felt the the best was actually running with my foot out um yeah not quite sideways but just my foot kind of out pointing everything you're telling me is that the pain you feel in your knee is actually nothing to do with your knee it's no. everything around it it's the lower it or above it or beside yeah. it or, yeah it's the hip it's the strengthening of the foot and it's the tfl and mm. that this gave me a lot of hope for what Jason and I are doing because these cues are working. This is the first time that I've been able to go because mm. basically from there, from that point, I was like, all right, what's I'm problem solving. So at that point I decided, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run a kilometer and then I'm going to walk a kilometer yep. and do that the whole way. And so I did that. I did that. My running kilometer was anywhere from a 620 to 645. My yep. walk, which was more of a power walk, was anywhere between an eight and a nine and a half minute kilometer. That's a solid power walk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I felt fine. Like aerobically, I felt fine. There yeah. was no problems. I Again, I had to bring myself back. And, but it was just that discipline. Like, could I have run faster? Yes. Could I have run more than one kilometer at a time? Sure. But I was like, let's just stick to the plan. Because yeah. that's what this was. This run for me was training on sticking to a plan. 
what was the what were your energy levels like? Because aerobically you wouldn't have been struggling at all. No, and if physically your muscles were holding up, but if energy levels generally were just good. Energy levels were fine. Like I was fine. The You're I fueling. Was I was fueling every probably eight to ten kilometers or so. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so each of those bars are 180 calories. So I I took in just probably over a thousand calories throughout the whole race because mm-hmm. I had six of those. Yeah. Um, and I felt fine. Like I never once was worried weary. about my energy. No, I wasn't. I didn't bonk. I wasn't weary. I was tired to the point that I had run 30, yep. 40, 50 kilometers. Um, but I was, I was mentally with it. I, yeah. I was aware of my surroundings. I was able to have intelligible conversations. <laughs> it's so funny how you put that because honestly, that's what happens is the difference between doing a run at that pace where you feel okay. And a run where you absolutely push itself yourself is at yeah. the 50 kilometer mark. You're like, you just, you're sort of floating. Yeah. You're not really connected to your body and you're still feeling okay aerobically and your muscles are feeling fine, but you're just disconnected from everything. Mm. So that's a big difference between pushing yourself on an event past into that point of, you know, not danger, but really yeah. I'm at my limit and running a 50K comfortably. You can, you can run a 50K comfortably. Mm. I know that might sound weird to a bunch of people, no. but you can do it. I think had nothing happened with my knee, I could have comfortably done sub six. Mm. No problem. Um, No problem. Uh, Of course, pushing a little bit, I probably would have been having a little less energy, but I don't think I would have had a problem. I don't know that I would have gone sub five. Certainly not. not I'd have to be going 545 pace, and I I just wasn't doing that. Um, And I didn't have any desire to do that. So, you know, I get to the 28-kilometer mark, the canning reserve. I top up my water, have a little bit of a chat. At that point, I I caught up to... um, I oh, know. No, I didn't. You and Nicola leapfrogged for a little bit, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did catch up yeah. with Nicola, didn't I? Yeah, I did. She left a little bit before I did. I had a bit of a conversation with the uh, volunteers. Uh, one of them commented on my vapor flies when I put those on. <laughs> <laughs> Said, you're an idiot. You're about to trash those $300 shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wore my oldest pair, though, so to be fair. Did um, you wear them on the out bit or only when you came back? I wore them from Canning Reserve to the out and then all the way through. Oh, so, so you wore them on the more technical bit of the course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's a decision that I would regret to a point only because those shoes aren't meant to keep uh, anything out. No. <laughs> so for probably about 20 kilometers, I ran with pebbles in my shoes. and I was Yeah. Like, I could have taken them out, but I was like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Who cares? Um, so <laughs> put on the, the ultra running apathy we know and love. Yeah, exactly. So whatever, man. Whatever happens. Um, yeah. I top up my water, and I never ran out of water in my bottles at all. So basically, from 28 kilometers in, that was when the amino acid part of my drink was gone. The electrolyte part of my drink was gone. So I just, for the last 22 k's, it was just water. Yeah. Um, and that was fine. Um, I took off at a moderate pace. I felt pretty good. I was running about a 5:30, and then I was like, I better slow down. <laughs> Were you using the food at the aid stations at all or just no. relying on your stuff? No, yeah. just my stuff. Um, I didn't have any of the chips or the lollies or anything. The aid just, stations are just chips, lollies, fruitcake, yeah, a bit of water. Yeah, I, I didn't need it. I was like, you know what? If I do it, it's just going to be to do it and it's not going to benefit me because I've already got what I need. Yeah, uh, And I don't feel like I'm to the point where I'm that desperate where I would need something. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I felt good enough at that point to take off at a 5.30 pace and mm. willingly need to pull myself back. Then you get to that stupid bike path. <laughs> um, and there was this guy that uh, I was leapfrogging with for a, quite a little while. And it was his first 50K. We had a bit of a chat. Um, and, you know, then I then I passed him. And I, I didn't see him again. I think he finished a few minutes after I did uh, when mm. I was said and done. But it was a nice chat. Uh, and then on my way back, that's when I caught up to Nicola again at the 37-kilometer mark. That's when we got to the uh, aid station again. Uh, and this is, again, I, I spent probably less time there the second time than I did the mm. first time. Uh, so just enough to, again, fill up my water, put on some rappy gel, and then go. Uh, so how this, long are you talking, like five minutes? Not even. Not even? No, yeah. Maybe like two or three minutes. Okay, yeah. Um, and this is where the dude who was sitting down to have something to eat was like, I'll catch up with you later. And I didn't know what else to say because my mind at this point, you just, Mm. you know, you're tired, you're running. I was like, I hope you do. (laughs) 
I could have said anything else. I could have said yeah. anything else. And then you spent the next five kilometers kicking yourself, going, <laughs> yeah. I'm such an idiot. That guy's going to remember that for the rest of his life, yeah. that I was such an idiot. Because that yeah. sounds really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what the hell? I have, anything else I'll, I could have said. I'll run around the corner and start without you. You tell yeah. me when you're coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I could have said, no, you won't. Or I could have said, you probably will. Or I could have even said... Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you would have made more sense. <laughs> so I was like, well, I better get at it. I just better run. I better yeah. run. Um, so I took off. Um, and the kind of the rest of the race is kind of a little bit ordinary from there. Uh, right. The run home from Canning is, is tough, isn't it? Because it's, it's just flat. It's just grindy. flat, boring. It's nine kilometers yeah. of just that is when I'm doing training for a big run, I go out there and I do that run out to Canning. And I turn around and I try and run back from Canning as hard as I can. Yeah. Like really push the pace because that run, that leg of the Brimbank 50 has broken me so many times. If I can run it well and run it hard, it's a real confidence booster. Yeah. Yeah. And I I must say that mentally that was a tough part Mm. of the race. I was still sticking to my plan. I was doing 620 to 645 runs, eight to nine and a half minute walks uh, when I was walking, uh, kilometer on, kilometer off. Uh, but it was just, it's just a It's a slight uphill. The, The run back to Brimbank is a slight uphill because the river runs out. Yes. Um, the other way. So rivers naturally run downhill. So it, it is a it is a slight uphill that whole way back to Brimbank. And the undulations that you were sort of rolling down on the way there, you're mm. going up on you're the going way up. up. Yeah. Yeah, so right. it, it is a tougher run. But it, if you can run it well, it's always been my sort of measuring stick, you know, yeah. six to eight weeks out from a race, go run that one and see how it feels. And yeah. If it feels good, I'm like, all right, this is good. And if it feels bad, I'm like, okay, I've got to do a bit more work in the last month or so. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so no love for that. I did see a guy in a Superman shirt, which was awesome. I screamed out to him, I love your shirt, man. Um, and he said, I'll catch you. He said, I'll catch you. And I said, I'm sure you will. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. I probably said thank you or something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so get to the last five kilometers. That probably was the worst because it's another like dumbass bike path. Yeah. Um, that is just all up. Just it undulating. Sucks. It sucks. I probably walked eighty percent of that. Yeah, um, it kills your time. Like you, I, I yeah. remember doing that event, running along, going, "Oh yeah, I'm going sub five here. I've got so long to go, and there's just this many kilometers." And you're like, "No, there's a couple of ten minute kilometers in here because yeah. I'm power walking up a hill now." Yeah, my kilometers there were probably closer to ten ten yeah. minutes. Um, and again, yeah, sure, I had the energy maybe to push it a bit, but I was just like, I. I don't even like this hill, so I don't even care. I'm and the gonna... downhill on the other side of that hill sucks as kind well. Of a it's bitch. not a fun one. No, yeah. and that was funny because that was right after the final um, aid station. And, mm. you know, I sat there and I talked to them for maybe two or three minutes and just, you know, filled up my water bottles, mm. talked to them a little bit about how I was feeling, a little bit about the Bright Ultra. Everybody mm. that I, I talked to, I was like, yeah, I just did an Ultra five weeks ago. It took me 13 hours. <laughs> yeah, this is nothing. Yeah. We call this a warm up. Yeah, that's right. Um, that was great, but yeah, that downhill was brutal because at that point I was tired to the point where, as physically, where I was like, I don't really have the control I need to not yeah. run this, so I'm just gonna kind of bomb down this thing. Uh, and I tried to control it, and when I was trying to control it, it was just hurting. So I was like, I'm just gonna bomb down, and whatever happens, yeah, happens. Um. And so, yeah, that last kilometer is probably those seven and a half minute uh, kilometer or so because there were a couple of nastiness. I, I started hearing the festival area about a kilometer out. I loved it. Mm. And then um, I, I just – I didn't feel like mentally I had run as much as I had. Yeah. Like I just – I felt – I didn't feel fresh, but I felt fresh. You know, yeah. like, I, like I was okay. Um, to the it felt point like where, a long run, like a weekend long run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. To the point where I got to the end of the race and it was forty nine point three freaking kilometers, <laughs> and I was like, nah. So I passed the finish line. I put behind my pack. I did my extra seven hundred, all yes. the while swearing and cursing <laughs> up and down. I sent you a message. You sent me a message. I'm like, if you're good enough to swear, then it must have been a good run. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was a very different message than the one that I sent you in Bright, where I was crying. Yeah. <laughs> and this one, I was just like, effing this. GD race was only 49.3 kilometers. 
Um, what do you prefer, the 49.3 here or the 52-something that it turned out to be at Bright? 54-something at Bright. <laughs> I definitely prefer the 49 here. I prefer <laughs> having the energy to finish up. Um, yeah. And, but, yeah, you know, it was just interesting. The, uh, I think the, the winner of the race um, – he finished in about three hours and 46 minutes, jo- Joel Fitzgerald. Wow. Um, at that point, I was probably about 30 kilometers in, so maybe less. Um, uh, I will say that uh, the, the one disappointment that I had at the finish line is kind of, it didn't seem as peppy as it was when we started. Like they were starting to take things down and stuff. And oh, really? Like, yeah. I'm like, that's kind of a bummer. It's kind of like, I get it. He has limited time there. Mm. It's like... That's kind of a bummer. Um, so it takes a little bit of away from it. But overall, I think it was great. Like, I was able to control everything the whole time. I am very excited about my time, considering the second half I was run walking. Um, mm. And I'm very excited that I was able to uh, problem solve with my knee and that we are making such headway with my knee that I, I have the ability to do that. When I wanted to run a 6.30 pace, I did. When I wanted to run a sub-6 pace and I felt good, I did. When I Mm. wanted to walk an 8.30 pace, I did. So I was in control the whole time. At no point did I ever feel that the run was controlling me. Um, And I recovered so much better after this one. Yeah, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Like I I went yesterday for a three-kilometer run. I went today for a 5K, um, both easy paces. I, I... kept i found myself pulling myself back today i ran at about a 6 30 pace I, but i wanted to run at like a 5 30 pace yeah because i feel fine i feel great like it i took two day, uh, no three blisters? days off of running hmm? no blisters blisters everywhere um <laughs> no <laughs> no no bad blisters just one one kind of blood blister on my pinky toe which wasn't fun didn't mm. hurt or anything but nothing like that craziness uh um from 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 bright but yeah i took three days off of running i was back in the gym on monday but not running Mm, Um, and i feel fine i feel great i it was just it was interesting the one that i I was uh, so just like along the race what i didn't mention was i was able to obviously i was talking to you a little bit i was also talking with aaron quite a bit because i really didn't want her to worry especially mm. after bright um so probably I, I kept every 10 kilometers i'd write her a message i'm 10 kilometers in 20 mm. kilometers in once i got to 30 kilometers i started sending her voice messages yeah um and i was just like i'm just going to start sending you voice messages now so that you know i'm mentally in control and i'm not delirious yeah. uh, and so she would send voice messages back so it was really nice to actually kind of in essence talk to her hear her voice yeah uh, it was great seeing the messages from you it was just a much better experience um you know it wasn't as emotional at the finish line as it was in bright i think this is probably the first race that i remember not having some kind of tear in my eye um, it's a it's a sense of um it's a different sense of accomplishment yeah it's yeah. a bit of a i was going to do it and i did it and it you know it the, the biggest challenge for you with this event was it was only five weeks after your last one mm-hmm. and your knee and so the big thing was going to be like had you actually recovered properly from the last one and would your knee hold up and so both of those things you did so it's a real tick like not every event needs to be the thing that changes your life some of no. them are just hey i'm just proving i've still got this yeah i can do this yeah and that that was a big conversation i had with aaron too mm. it was like you know i don't really do these things other than i just want to know that i can i mean, yeah. there's no like i'm never going to be doing this for fame and fortune and glory or anything it's just you know i want to go out and say, yeah, I can do this. I, I, mm. I can do this. And will I run um, an ultra again? Absolutely. Mm. When? I don't know. Um, yeah. I think right now, so that I can now fully really start to get control out of in my running form and the knee and everything, working with Jason uh, and my running coach, Steve, we're going to take it from the beginning again. So we're now going to start mm. to focus on my 5K time, start bringing that down bring down my 10k time with any luck i'll get to the half marathon in july and then run melbourne and run that Mm. for time and then maybe if the stars align run the melbourne marathon in october i was about to say it's march now so 
October, seven months or six months, really. That's a lot of time to do all the way work up. Um, So, yeah, you can afford to to sort of go back to the start and go, right, right, look to run a good half marathon in that July time frame, maybe. See how that looks like. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's that's fine. Like, yeah, like I, I, it just left a really good taste in my mouth to do this one. I think I needed to do this one after yeah. Bright. You needed a palate cleanser after Bright. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And it was it was great. It was just a really it was a good experience. Um, I think probably if I do another ultra, I'd really love to do that backyard ultra. Um, yeah. Different uh, thing, possibly just, going through the night. And yeah. stuff like that. It's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. that that's that's just exciting. It's like okay, I've done. I've done this now throughout the day in a sort of quote unquote timed yep. run. Let's try to do this now. Just see how far I can go. Another thing to try would be um, doing another ultra. And Brimbank is, you know, Brimbank, you've now done Brimbank. You know what that course is like. You've ran at the Yu Yangs a lot. So you know what Yu Yangs is like. There's like the Warburton trail run that I did was so different because it was really in the bush running along fire trails and stuff mm. like that single path trail more like probably what you did with isabel ross out at the dandy knocks sure like doing a 50k ultra on a course like that so there's things like wonderfuls or the surf coast trail run or you know th- there's a couple there's still plenty of stuff out there to taste in terms of the ultra running experience there's, mm. there's doing it overnight there's doing it in like a serious bush setting mm. um there's trying to bring up the distance like you know if you want to go overnight 100k is a great way to go overnight yeah because um, it'll take that long yeah um so yeah there's still definitely stuff for you to do um but 50s are good 50s if you can get to a point where you're like oh okay i can see myself doing a 50 fairly comfortably like i can see myself doing a marathon fairly comfortably then you know you've got a real handle yeah on your running at that point exactly yeah. and that's that's i think what that big step is going to be when i can be like all right i can do a marathon now no problems. I can do it in a good time. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I still want to. I, I still want to go for a fast time in the marathon. Is yep. and I think aerobically, uh, I I can do that. Uh, anaerobically, even. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know anaerobically, but yeah, we're just now we're going to start to focus on those things that need to be focused on, and I think we're on the right path. Good job. Well done. Congratulations. I'm really glad that you had such a good experience and you you came in best like that's where i would have been hoping i would have thought you know ultimate dream would have been you would have gone sub six but i was like i thought between six and six thirty was just the sweet spot for you yeah that's what i thought too like i think at one point out while i was out there i was like i could go sub six it's gonna be a little bit close and then i got closer and closer i was like you know what i'm not probably gonna do that and but I, I bet you, if you were able to sort of, you know, reset and go out this weekend with the same fitness, knowing what you know now about that course and everything, yeah. you could probably do a sub six. Oh yeah, just from knowing about just the course. knowing about the course, yeah, yeah, knowing yes. what to expect. Um, yeah, I was happy with my time because you know, realistically, I wanted to come somewhere between six and seven hours. Um, yeah, and so I'm happy with that. Good job, well Thank done, you, congratulations. Thank you. So I guess now you'll just look at the uh, the the race calendar for the rest of the year and pick a couple of other events and you know maybe maybe not promise anything. Think about Melbourne for yeah, uh, yeah. uh, or if you're not Melbourne, maybe we should go back and do Canberra next year. Oh, that's target good. March or April for Canberra. Do yeah, a road I trip. Like, I would like to do that. That would be a lot of fun. I've never done Canberra before. So. It's a good course. It is hillier than they tell you that it is, mm-hmm. um, but it is a beautiful course. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful city. I, a lot of people don't like it. I just it reminds me of Washington D.C. to the way it's let out. Yeah, laid out. Um, yeah, I'd love to go back to Canberra. So do a revenge race. You've got to, you've got to get revenge on Canberra and you've got to get revenge on Melbourne. So Damn right. both of them. Yeah, Damn right. Hmm. Well, tomorrow I've got uh, Oxfam with the yes. boys. So yes. so what's that? What's we're obviously going to talk about it when you're done. So what, what's the uh, what's the timeline like from here until then? It's, so it is currently about to hit 9 p.m., which means I will be waking. I'll be going to bed soon and waking up in about six and a half hours. Nice. Um, so 3.30 in the morning or so I'll need to wake up. Ugh. Leaving here at 4 o'clock in the morning with the boys, getting over to the start line, um, 
about 5, 5.30, somewhere around there. Where is um, the start the, line again? Start line's in Endeavour Hills, um, okay. which is in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. Sure. And because of coronavirus and everything, you can only enter the start line precinct within an hour of your start time. Oh. So our time's 6 a.m., so we can enter from 5 a.m. But if we'd picked like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., we would only be able to enter the start precinct within that hour. So they want to clear the immediate wave beforehand before they let the next lot in. So um, everything's loaded to go. It's um, it's a bit of logistics, an Oxfam event. You know, we've got to have obviously our gear that we wear and we carry, but we're potentially going to be doing this for 24 hours or so. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a change of clothes in there at one point, which means we've got to get support crews to come meet us at different stops along the way and bring us gear. So I've got a big box of stuff with it's got like spare clothes, spare shoes, a whole bunch of trail mix packs that, you know, at every checkpoint, I can just grab whatever I need gear wise, go into this bag of food and grab another bag of stuff to head off with. Um, The aid stations, I think will be pretty well stocked as well. So, uh, and we've got people bringing us meals at certain points. Um, And yeah, it's just going to be realistically, 20 odd hours of movement i think and by the time you include stopping at the aid stations and everything it, it feels like it could be uh 24 hours um end to end for us um That's crazy. you know yeah we, we had if you'd asked us two years ago we would have said that we were going to do this thing in about 18 hours um but just where everyone is coming out of covid and injuries and all that sort of yeah. stuff um we're just we're, we're being very very conservative um i would love to jump on the podcast next time and say hey, we got out there, we felt great. Um, we ended up doing it in 20 hours in total or something like that. Like that would be fantastic, but we're not putting any pressure on ourselves um, to do that. That's yeah. the way to do it. Mm. So it should be good. So I've got my my vest is ready to go. Um, my gear's all laid out. Realistically, it's just try and get some sleep and then wake up in the morning and, and do it. Um, yeah. So people will be able to, well, if you're hearing this, it'll be done. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll be able to follow along on the Oxfam Trail Walker website or whatever it is. I'll be, be getting there. updates whenever we go in and out of checkpoints. And of course, phones will be on. Nice. Got plenty of time. Yeah. Right on. I can't wait. Well, yeah, I can't wait to see you go. Good luck. Thank you. Um, I'll let you go now so you can get some sleep because that's hideous. Zach, go bye-bye now. Yes. Yep. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, look, thank you so much for listening to my recap of the Trails Plus Brimbank 50K Ultra, which as luck would have it, was the very first ultra that Zach did when he came to talk to us three years ago um, on this eve before the Oxfam, this journey that's been three years in the making. Um, Yes. Good luck to you, sir. And um, listen, everybody, thanks again so much for listening to this podcast that hopes to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. And we will catch you next time.